0: Welcome to the Oddsbreakers, number one place for shared sharp betting information. Welcome back to podcast 74 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter at OBK, Follow us at The Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign up bonus. Please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22 Terms, Conditions, and Location apply. If you'd like to support The Ozbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit TheOzbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member and pick any of our winning handicappers, including myself, to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on Patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit oddsbreakers.com or find The OddsBreakers on Telegram to become a free Picks newsletter subscriber. Nice little finish to the NFL Week 2-0 on Monday Night Football. Uh, during Halloween, I watched the first half and kind of had to follow along in the second half. But the Browns really, really put the uh, pedal to the metal that game. Even with missing guys like Owasu Koromora, a couple cornerbacks, man, I was surprised how well the uh, Browns responded there. I did have the Browns plus three and a half. Didn't want to buy back. I I wish I used them in more places like contests and such. But uh, in the situation, I was happy with my three and a half and they ended up winning outright. Had a nice little sprinkle. And our prop bet, T. Higgins, to score at any time touchdown, rolls towards the second half in the game. You know, that's football for you. That's the NFL lately. It's like teams that are worse than other teams sometimes are winning outright. Definitely been somewhat of a crazy year. And the creative... Handicaps are sometimes overwhelming. The metric handicaps coming in for to fruition for these games. I mean, Cleveland needed the big win, you know, Cincinnati coming off of a big win, right? Jets a little full of themselves after beating the Broncos, Patriots, after getting devastated by the Bears, end up winning their game. Saints embarrassed at home or on the road against the Cardinals, come back and win outright. It's shutting to out the Raiders completely. Giants on their second road game in a row all the way in the West Coast. Uh, loses outright to Seattle. I guess the only one that didn't come to fruition is after Green Bay's loss to Washington. They went and lost to Buffalo, but heck, they at least covered with that crazy back door. It's just been very interesting in the NFL using... I guess flat spots and get-up spots, right? And that's coming to uh, to fruition with these teams kind of winning outright after looking bad the week before. I mean, Carolina against the Rams, and then they beat Tampa, right? Uh, you're seeing a lot of that in the NFL. So keep in mind when you're handicapping these games to you know find the team that got destroyed the week before and maybe bet on them, or find the team that won a little too easy the week before and uh, maybe you get bet against them you know there's uh definitely some creative to handicapping some of these games both teams lose outright pretty bad well maybe you get to your metrics or if both teams win the week before maybe that's a little bit more metric based but uh there's not a secret sauce to this i incorporate metric handicapping creative handicapping as well as some system handicapping looking at how teams play in certain situations against certain teams and uh, obviously individual players sometimes uh, in different environments, you know, cold quarterbacks. uh, Some quarterbacks perform well in the cold. Some don't. Those types of situations as well. So the big story of the week is the NFL trade deadline. A ton of them happened on Tuesday here on uh, 4 p.m. Eastern's when the trade deadline approached and that was just a few minutes ago as i am recording here on tuesday looks like the bills just traded for safety dean marlowe from the falcons for a seventh rounder that's interesting the chiefs traded rashad fenton to the falcons uh, for salary cap space the bills activated cornerback tredavious white so that's a good thing the broncos are trading bradley chubb pass rusher to the Dolphins for a 2023 first round pick. And I believe they're also trading with the Jets to fill the void with Martin, a pass rusher as well, for a fourth round pick. So they shed the better uh, pass rusher in salary, obviously, uh, to Miami, who's going for it this year, and get Martin back. Obviously, the Broncos are kind of out of it right now. And I believe they tried to trade Jetty, but didn't get any takers. The Bears traded Roquan Smith, found that interesting. He was very upset about the Robert Quinn trade last week. He was in tears during his interview. Well, now he got traded. Well, I think the obvious thing for that is the dude wanted 20 million a year and was going to hold out next year for that, you know. A linebacker wanting 20 million a year. Unfortunately for linebackers, their market has went down substantially. Probably since Ray Lewis, really, you know, substantially. there's almost like they're treated more like running backs. You know, they get concussed and they get hurt uh, a little bit too often now. And uh, I'll tell you this the Ravens are going to use the heck out of Roquan, beat the heck out of him, and we'll see what he's worth after that. And I would doubt he gets over $12 million a year from a team unless he is absolutely phenomenal uh, coming with the Ravens. But the Ravens are getting a little healthier. They just activated Tyus Bowser themselves. The Bears actually helping their offense a little bit. They traded a second round pick, that probably one of the ones they got from dealing Roquan Smith. Uh, they got a second and a fifth, and they got Chase Claypool. So they essentially traded Roquan Smith almost for a Chase Claypool in a fifth rounder. Right, that's kind of like how that worked out. I I didn't expect the Bears to be making so many moves. I kind of thought Roquan could be traded, but uh. They, they got it done. I almost got to give props to the GM there. It's uh, Roquan's a tough player to have around when you have an agent there demanding so much money. Uh, you know there's going to be a problem there in the future. So uh, not a massive Chase Claypool guy. I, I don't know if he's a number one. Uh, he's got some great hands. Um, probably a number two, but you almost have a number two with Mooney right now. You still need a big number one, I think, to help out Justin Fields. Um and maybe you can find it in the draft. Uh, I'm not a big guy in drafting receivers in the first round. I think they should bolster their offensive line a little bit. But we'll see what happens with the Bears. I'm pretty uh, surprised with all the moves. It looks like Brandon Cooks did not get traded from the Texans. There's a lot of speculation he was going to get traded. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, and the Lions, big inter-division trade. TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings. And it looks like they only got like a fourth rounder or so for that. I thought Hawkinson was worth more than that, but the Irv Smith injury must have been pretty major. And now the Vikings are sending a 2023, oh, sorry, second rounder and a 2024 fourth rounder for Hawkinson. That makes a little bit more sense, okay, because Hawkinson is a dang good tight end. Sure-handed, pretty fast, Uh, I think uh, this will definitely help the Vikings out this year. So we have a great show for you today because I'm going to go over the full NFL slate of games. There's six teams on by this week. And after that, Kelly Ford from Kelly Ford Ratings and the We Hate Your Team podcast is going to come down and break down some of the massive college football games coming up for the weekend. Uh, Kelly does a great job. Uh, with his own rating system. I'm going to talk to him a little bit about that. And Kelly is also very, very knowledgeable when it comes to the sport of college football. So cannot wait to pick his brain and get some ideas for some of the plays that he might like for us coming into this week. This is a massive week for the SEC. You have Alabama versus LSU. You have Georgia versus Tennessee. I mean, that might be the top four SEC teams right now. All playing each other. So it's great to have a guy like Kelly come on to help us out with that. Before Kelly comes on, I want to let you know that I'm going to be releasing another podcast. I believe this week, I think on Friday morning, a basketball podcast previewing the Big Ten. I've been working on college basketball. I've been working hard on the Big Ten. I have a great preview uh, prepared to talk with you about and how I rank the Big Ten coming into this year about new players. I'm going to go over some big stats from last year. I'm going to go over some of the transfers that came into the Big Ten, some of the players that left, obviously. Can't wait to do that podcast, and I wanted to stand on its own, really, just because, uh, well, it can definitely get pretty long, and the importance of the individual sport itself, I think, deserves its own time slot. Speaking of college basketball, if you are a college basketball fan, like to bet college basketball, and like to make money, please visit oddsbreakers.com and check out our college basketball packages. We have some packages up finally for the college basketball 2022-2023 season. I myself was 62% during March Madness, had a phenomenal March Madness, very proud of that, and college basketball is one of my best and favorite sports So feel free to check out our packages and use the promo code hoops22 to get 10% off all packages all the way through December 1st. College basketball is starting this weekend already, my friends. There will be plays made by our handicappers. All right. NFL Week 9 Slate and... The first two games I'm talking about here are kind of like married together in a way because I want to show you, well, first of all, they're the only double-digit point spreads. No, 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 Kansas City, Tennessee. They're two of the three double-digit point spreads this week. You got the Eagles on Thursday night football at the Texans, minus 14, And you have the Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets, minus 13. I guess the two away double-digit point spreads. I find this fascinating because you look at the difference between the Bills and the Eagles. You know, I definitely have the Bills power rated at least two steps higher than the next team down, which is the Chiefs. But I have the Eagles as the third-best team. And I would think that everybody has the Eagles as minimum third best. Everybody else has many more problems, right? So if that's the case, what's the difference between the Jets and the Texans? Well, my friends, it's got to be a little bit bigger of a gap between the Eagles and the Bills, right? I mean, the Texans are dead last in most power ratings out there, right? Look, for example, team rankings has Pittsburgh minus 4.3, Chicago minus 4.3, Detroit minus 6, Houston, big step, minus 7.4. DVOA doesn't quite have it like that, but they're weird in some aspects. I really think that Houston is the worst team, and in my actual NFL power ratings... I'm going to see how low I have Houston here. And the way I like to explain it is the difference between the dead last team and the second-to-last team. Yeah, minus 7.25, and then Carolina I have at minus 6.5. So I have the Houston dead last, but the Jets, not even close. I have the Jets as the 17th team in the nation, which is basically – average right I have the Jets pretty average from what they accomplished so looking at the differences here why is there only a one point difference where the the Eagles are favored by only one additional point over the Bills yet the Texans are much worse than the Jets you know that makes it's not like the Bills are seven points difference than the uh, Eagles right The Bills aren't seven points better than the Eagles, but that kind of goes to show you the feeling of the Buffalo Bills and how powerful they are in the market, but I'm surprised that the Eagles might not be getting that as much. I almost think that if this spread's going to be this high, (laughs) I would probably make it Eagles minus 17 and Bills minus 13, right? It just doesn't make a ton of sense that these are so close together. One of them, at least one of them is off. I actually personally think both of them are a tad high uh, for my ratings, but I already am giving out a play on one of them to premium subscribers. The next game, the Vikings versus the Commanders, is pretty fascinating here because Kirk Cousins coming back to Washington where he started his career, Uh, The Commanders obviously screwed up at quarterback, but they have somebody that's competent in there. That's what's keeping this spread uh, just a little bit above a field goal here. So to be completely honest with you, my numbers come out at Minnesota minus 3.25 roughly. I'm not sure if uh, Kirk Cousins is great on the road. I know that. Let me look this up. Since 2017, the Vikings, as an away favorite, is actually 12-8. That's 60%. I think maybe it's the primetime spots where Cousins is his uh, most hurt. But we don't know really how bad this commander's team is. I thought the Colts' defense was pretty good now that Leonard's back and they are still able, able to kind of have that big score at the end. So, this is one that could get a little bit out of hand, and that's what the spread's telling you, yet we're not sure. I think it's a perfect spread. You know, I want to stay away from perfect spreads um, in situations. Both of these teams um, won their last game. I think the Vikings are even coming off the bye. So, there you go for that one. Miami versus Chicago. Chicago's a five-point home dog against Miami. The total is 45.5. I find this spread very interesting, and I think it's a tad too high. The Bears definitely traded some of their defensive guys away. It's just the business of rebuilding, but I disagree with the market moving on it. You know, it went from four and a half to five, but it also is telling. It didn't get to six. It didn't get to five and a half after the Roquan Smith news, and that was even before the Chase Claypool news came on. I I think that the Lions. Might be a touch better than Chicago. But so Miami's at Detroit. This line was bounced back from three to three and a half all day. I'm not sure the Lions aren't as bad as the Chicago Bears. You know, the Bears defense definitely stinks. So does the Lions. But the Bears quietly rank 17th in offensive EPA. And they have a top three rushing offense. 5.3 yards per attempt. People are accusing the Bears of stealing the Baltimore Ravens playbook. Well, I'm sorry. If it's on film, you're really not stealing anything. (laughs) You know, Uh, I think it's perfect for Fields. Why would you not do some of the stuff Lamar Jackson does? They have some good misdirection going on. Justin Fields has some serious wheels on him. This game could be a little bit rainy. (laughs) You know, I think the Bears can cover this. And I think there's a chance that they actually win this outright. This is Miami's uh, second road game uh, in a row. Um, They improved some, but I was watching two of his passes last week, and they're lucky the Lions didn't score in the second half. That back door was wide open. Um, He flutters the ball. It's just kind of like a, a duck flying through the air, ready to be intercepted. There's no power behind it, and the Bears might have a bad front seven, but they actually have a pretty good secondary, you know. I think the Bears, with Justin Fields' ability, could easily backdoor this. Miami's only has a .6 net yard per play advantage over the Bears right now. I think the Bears are kind of improving on offense. At least the Chase Claypool move sends a message to the team that they are seriously trying to put something here. And to believe it or not, maybe this is a homer statement from me. But going down from Roquan Smith to Jack Sanborn, former Badger Jack Sanborn, might not be as bad as some people think. It might not quite be as bad of a downgrade the way we also saw a little bit of Sanborn play in the preseason. I'm very excited to see this game. I'm taking the Bears plus five for two stars. Well, I've been with the best, and I beat the best. I've retired more men than Social Security. <laughs> All right, next game. Let's move on to the Packers versus the Lions. This is interesting. The Lions, obviously, with the big TJ Hawkinson trade to Minnesota, interdivision trade, a little surprising, but they did get a couple of good picks from it. I think that uh, the Packers show just as bad as these Lions really do. I mean, on defense, let's just look at EPA per play. The Lions are dead last, actually, at 32. The Packers are 19th. Uh, Against the rush, the Lions are 30th, and the Packers are 29th. So there you go. It's just drop back EPA where the Lions make this defense become dead last in total EPA. On the offensive side of the ball, Lions are actually somewhat decent. I mean, not great, but decent. Jared Goff isn't the worst quarterback this year. He ranks 19th in uh, EPA plus uh, completion percentage over expectation. Where is Aaron Rodgers ranking these days? Uh pretty bad I imagine 22nd. So it's not like he's lighting it up. Goff's actually got a little bit of a step over him in those advanced metrics. And how about this? The Lions rank 18th in offensive EPA per play while the Packers rank 23rd. Now that's that's really what the Lions have had to do all year, have a decent offense on the field. Well, the Packers have been struggling really on both sides of the ball even more. And now the Packers are laying road chalk probably because their name. I'm not going to lie to you. I have, from a metric standpoint, this game closer to a pick But here's the problem. Here is the problem. The Packers should be able to run all over this Lions team. Is that enough to get up to the three and pass the three? I don't know. Um, I think three is more of a fair spread in this game. But in my opinion, it wouldn't shock me if the Lions won this outright. A lot of the Lions' numbers are without DeAndre Swift. He was out on injury. Jamal Williams was injured, too, for a while. Their offensive line was very injured, and they kind of came back. Now, the Lions are a little bit more banged up on defense, but does that even matter? This defense has been so bad, I don't even know what to expect, but I know that their offense can put up some points. Very backdoorable, in my opinion. I'm just worried that the Lions might not be able to stop the Packers run, and you might see like a Tennessee Titans versus the Houston Texans type game from last week. I'm also a little concerned about the Hawkinson being gone. Now, he was a good scapegoat and big target for Jared Goff. So, um, very interesting spread indeed. Let's move on to the next game. The Chargers versus the Falcons. And I have a play on this one. And I'm going to give it out to you. The Falcons are plus three. The total is 49.5. The Falcons took... Control taking the Carolina Panthers out last week in a massive shootout to become the top team in the NFC South. Well, Lottie
1: freaking <laughs> die!
0: Loddy freaking die because the NFC South sucks and Atlanta is very fraudulent. Now, the biggest Part of their fraudulence, that's a word, uh, is their defense. Okay, Um, Falcons have a terrible secondary. As a matter of fact, they rank 30th in dropback success rate and dead last in giving up 307 passing yards per game. Now, the Chargers, big spot for them to get it right. Uh, That loss against Seattle had to bother him for two weeks. I know Mike Williams is out, but Keenan Allen should be back, which makes that a wash. And probably Joshua Palmer as well. But this handicap isn't even really about the offense. This is just about how bad these defenses are. The Falcons very banged up in the secondary. And if you want to talk about bad defense, you can't ignore the J.C. Jackson injury for the Chargers, and that's going to hurt their passing defense, and their rushing defense is very, very bad, ranking 27th in opponent rush, EPA giving up a league worst at 5.7 rushing yards per attempt. It looks like Patterson is trending to play um, coming back on this offense. I think that both teams are just going to be able to march down the field completely on each other, and you know where I'm going with this one taking over 49.5 points. (laughs) Let's hope we don't get one of those horrible games where they keep crapping out in the red zone. Got to break that streak of bad luck. But I like the over here. I just don't see any of these teams stopping each other. Over 49.5 for two stars.
1: Where's my money, bitch?
0: Next game, we have the Colts versus the Patriots. This is interesting to me because the Patriots were out game last week and still won and covered. Well, this spread was at 6.5, and and now it's down to plus 5.5. So money came in on the Colts. Why is that? Well, I think the Colts got significantly better when they got uh, Shaquille Leonard back. He played great last game. The Colts just traded Naheem Hines, their pass-catching running back, uh, to the Buffalo Bills. But, you know, that's not massive. They still have Deion Jackson there, who's already proved very capable of backing up Jonathan Taylor. The problem with the Colts is their offensive line. And now they have a rookie quarterback there. So you have to gauge here, can Belichick be like the old Belichick and take advantage of a rookie quarterback like he has in the past? Or is this going to be another situation where a kid like Justin Fields comes in It absolutely blows them out. I mean, the good news, Sam Ellinger is nowhere near as fast as Justin Fields. But Sam Ellinger does know how to run the ball. And he did run the ball a heck of a lot at Texas. So that's another concern uh, in this handicap as well. I don't think the Patriots defense is all that great. But numbers-wise, a little bit hard to quantify just based upon the fact that The Colts have a different quarterback. I still, even after this week, don't know how big of a step it was for Matt Ryan going down to Sam Ellinger. So we're going to leave it at that. Las Vegas Raiders versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville's plus two home dog and total is 48. I'm still kicking myself last week for betting on the Raiders.
1: (sighs) Oh. idiot
0: (laughs) they are the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the NFL over the past three or four years and the next team that's second is probably the Jacksonville Jaguars right now I want absolutely no part of this game if you want to know what my metrics say I'll tell you I have the Jaguars favored by three points in this game Okay, I have them favored by three. The 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 Raiders are the ones favored by two. Still want absolutely no part of it, not touching this one. I don't even think I'm going to have a teaser involved in this disgusting game. Panthers versus Bengals. This was interesting. This went all the way down to seven. churnoff uh, on the simple handicap gave out minus seven, and it went up to seven and a half. <sighs> Total 42 and a half I mean, this was a higher spread until, you know, the Bengals looked so terrible on Monday. Now the Bengals lost one of their cornerbacks, Chubo- Chidobi Awoozy, I believe. I think that he's their best corner, and that's going to hurt them. But are you really worried about a cornerback against a Panthers team? I-, I know that P.J. Walker played out of his mind in this first place game last week. That's fine. But <laughs> they're going to let down for sure in this spot. But the question is. What is the proper spread? Because metrically, I have Carolina as a a six-and-a-half-point dog. Um, And if I actually look at like a power rating type uh, situation um, rather than the algorithm, I just gave you my algorithm number, Uh, the power rating itself is more like Cincinnati minus ten-and-a-half. So I kind of like Cincinnati here, but... I, I just can't get to the window at seven and a half right now there's no rush into this you might find some contrarian Carolina money coming in at some point um I I am completely against it I think this is a massive spot for the Bengals but you have to remember still no Jamar Chase he's gonna be out probably for four weeks but they are they did not put him on IR though they want to keep him open in case he comes back in uh three weeks or so so that's important to uh consider. Seattle Seahawks against the Arizona Cardinals. What I'm gonna what I'm gonna say is that the Seahawks have blown my mind. They have been extremely successful compared to what I expected in the offseason here. They're gonna blow way over their season win total. But at the same time, who's their best win? The Chargers, who was really injured last game, and we know how fraudulent they are or maybe it was just the cardinals in that ugly can't score in the red zone game before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. You know, that's kind of what you got to decide. The market is giving a ton of respect to the Seahawks now, being that the Cardinals are only a -2 favorite here at home. You know, that's I think that's very interesting. So, I did put a play out on this game. It is a premium play, so I'm going to have to move on to the next one, which is the Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are on extra rest. And if they're, I say this every week, desperate spot for Tampa Bay. But how is it not desperate for the Rams? These two teams, massive disappointments this year. I mean, the Rams are dead last in offensive EPA per play. The Bucs are 20th on the defensive side at least the rams are somewhat respectable, <laughs> well 16th in EPA per play. They're number 1 against the rush, terrible against the pass. Um and the Tampa Bay bucks are 8th in EPA per play. But hey, let's face it. No need to talk about really advanced metrics. Tom Brady has a lot of injuries. This defense has a lot of injuries. No Gronkowski, no Cameron Bright. I think that affected him a lot. Yet the Rams have no offensive line this year. Very, very much on a letdown from the Super Bowl. This is a perfect spread, in my opinion, at minus two and a half. Metrically, I I have it a little bit higher, around minus three and a half. But the Shaq Barrett injury for Tampa Bay is massive. No pass rush there, which means Stafford might have some time to throw that ball. Next game, we have the Titans going to Kansas City. Kansas City coming off the bye, and you're probably going to hear that all week. Andy Reid off the bye. But metrically, you know, the Titans are a below-average team. Uh, 5.3 yards per play, and they give up 5.9 yards per play. They're great against the run, bad against the pass. That does not bode well when you're playing a Patrick Mahomes, obviously, But at the same time, the Titans were giant killers last year. Remember, all their (laughs) wins were practically against the best teams in the NFL. I believe the Chiefs were one of them. Now, the question is, how good are the Chiefs going to be in this situation? They come off a bye week. They can prepare. There is a path to victory for the Titans here. And it's running the ball and stuffing it down their throat. Now... The Chiefs are definitely not as bad against the run as they have been in the past. They only allow 4.2 rushing yards per attempt, so not bad at all. But the Chiefs definitely allow a lot of passing yards, 277 per game to 252. Only 6.7 per attempt, though. I mean, they're involved in a lot of shootouts. I think that Kansas City's defense got a little bit better this year, but their offense might have... Even taking a step back, can Tennessee stop Travis Kelsey? That's another big question that you have to ask yourself coming into this game. You know, it might not be a bad idea to live bet this game. If the Titans are really controlling the clock and the run game with Derrick Henry, that might be the right side. (laughs) They might actually win outright then. But obviously, if they get down and they have to start throwing the ball and Kansas City keeps putting on the pressure, you might want to play Kansas City. And you might, even if Kansas City gets up like seven nothing, you might get like a fifteen or sixteen point spread. That still might be the side in this game via live betting. And finally, let's get to the Monday night game, massive game: Baltimore Ravens versus the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> the Ravens got better with Roquan. They did. They're a better team now. And the Saints, amazing accomplishment. For what they did against a statue in Derek Carr last week. Carr did not rush the ball well. He got sacked a ton of times. He held the ball way too long. Lamar Jackson ain't doing that. Lamar Jackson's running that ball. (laughs) Okay. The Saints got a big win. But Baltimore's got extra rest coming into this game. Now, unfortunately, metrically, I have this below the three that it's at. Probably Baltimore minus one to two points. Metrically, from the algorithm, and even in my power ratings, it's about minus 2.25. But the question is what is New Orleans if they get Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and their cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, back? They did lose P.J. Williams back October 8th, a corner, and Bradley Roby. I mean, the Saints are still somewhat banged up here, and can you really trust Andy Dalton? The way they beat the hell out of the Raiders last week was great defense and really using Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara torched them. But the Ravens with Roquan is the biggest question now because Baltimore was a struggling defense, only ranking 28th in EPA margin. They ranked 24th against the run. And drop back EPA, they ranked 25th. So this is was not a good defense coming in. Lamar Jackson kind of got them out of uh, some bad situations. Might be a stay away for me. If this gets down to 2.5, I'm going to reconsider it. I missed that nice number earlier in the week. Now it's time for our refuse to lose teaser that hit last week. We are going to go with... The L.A. Rams, teasing them up to nine here. It's at three in most books. A little bit of juice. The Rams will have Cooper Cup. It looks like I know he was banged up a little bit, uh, but the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's more of a fade against them. They have been so injured and just not playing up to par. Now that they lost Shaq Barrett, I think it greatly affects that defense. And that's really the only thing that worries you about the Rams is the pass rush against them. So we're going to take them up to nine with the Bengals down to minus one and a half. The Bengals are in a big win situation after that ugly game against Cleveland. They're playing Carolina. That was in a massive shootout last week. Uh, It's a big get up spot here for the Bengals. Um, I know there's no Jamar Chase, but they still have Boyd and Higgins. I am a Bengal fan this week, and I think they get the win Minus one and a half for two stars. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you
1: lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please.
0: Now it's time for our guest, Mr. Kelly Ford from We Hate Your Team. Now I'm very excited welcome to welcome for the first time to this podcast, Mr. Kelly Ford. From We Hate Your Team to this podcast. You can follow Kelly on Twitter at K4Rays. Kelly, how the heck are you doing this week? Did you survive Halloween?
1: I did survive Halloween, just barely, Kiev. It was a great weekend of college football, of course. Have a couple of young children, so they enjoyed the trick or treating, lots of candy to hand out. So I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun talking week 10 college football here coming up. But yeah, it's been a great season so far and more to come as we're excited about it.
0: I feel like i'm overwhelmed with candy right now there's candy in every single room there's buckets of it i i know i remember even coming close to the amount of candy that is given out these days and uh it's like it's like kids just take a handful now you know before it was just trick-or-treat grab one little thing and it might have been this little uh, maybe hard candy or something but now these are massive candy bars kids are getting man i gotta stay away from that stash i already dipped in man
1: I, uh, I do not need to have any more candy as you can see. And, uh, it's certainly tempting, but yes, I've got to keep feeding it to the little kids here because my body doesn't need any more. That's for sure. But it is hard. I
0: know, man. And Noah goes, well, it was a great Halloween. And now we have college football week 10 on deck. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about you, Kelly, and the, we hate your team podcast.
1: Yeah, so I appreciate the opportunity to come on uh, in the first place and, and to share a little bit about We Hate Your Team is, is awesome. So We Hate Your Team is a podcast that my buddy Zach King and I started uh, during the 2021 college football season, we had talked, we went to um, college together. We were in the same fraternity. And so, geez, we graduated nearly 10 years ago from Purdue. Um, And we talked during our time there about, man, you know, we're always talking sports. We always have this back and forth. We should do a podcast. And this was, again, 10 years ago, a little bit before podcasts were so common like they are right now. We were like, yeah, you know, one day we might do a sports talk show or whatever. And we never it never happened. It never happened. We've gone our separate ways. I live in Indy. He lives in Chicago now. But I was a guest on a podcast called Statistically Speaking at the beginning of the 2021 college football season that's put out there by Kyle umlang and Blinken Riley, a couple of Texas and Oklahoma fans. And I had so much fun on that podcast Kev, that I was like, you know what? I kind of want to do this for myself. Now. Like I don't, I don't want to just wait around to be another guest on another one, which actually Actually, the ten twelve network, Philip Slavin reached out and uh, said, hey, Kelly, you want to come on ours and be a guest? And I said, sure. And after that second one, I was like, all right, I am hooked. I'm convinced. (laughs) I reached out to Zach and said, we got to make this happen. Like, let's let's get a podcast going. We'll talk college football every week and it'll be fun. So we put a a poll out there on Twitter of what should the name be and and how often should we do it and all that stuff. And we settled on a name, We Hate Your Team, because we thought it was one, kind of catchy, but two kind of one of the the core foundations of the podcast is based around my K-Ford ratings, the predictive rating set that I have created uh, in recent years and have and really started sharing publicly in the last few years. And one of the questions that I got a lot when I first joined Twitter was, Kelly, why do your numbers hate my team? Why do you hate my team? Like My team's winning a lot. How come I'm not more highly rated? Why do you hate my team? And so I feel like I got that question multiple times every single week. And so when it came time to make a podcast, theme, I said, King what do you think about we hate your team and he was like I love it so uh so we, we rolled with that we taught college football once a week we have a guest on every single week um so that's that's what makes it really exciting we picked the 10 games in the ESPN Pick'em competition and then we have a season-long competition going at confidence style points uh of, of who between King and I but then also with our guests and with all of our listeners and everyone that's jumped in that competition who can have the most points at the end of the year that person earns a guest appearance on the podcast as well so we just we pick games we talk top college football and uh, it's been really really fun to have our own podcast and to be able to get our voices and opinions out there and not have to rely solely on being guests on others even though I really enjoy that which is why I'm so happy to be here with you today.
0: Oh well that is awesome with a great breakdown and you know it's funny there's a lot of talk about we? Why do you hate my team this week? With the college football rankings out there, yeah, you know Central Florida made it in. You got you got Tennessee number one, which everyone's freaking out about. And I saw a poll out there; only eleven percent agreed with it. And I, I guess as a sports bettor, you know that Tennessee's not really one. I mean, they're the most deserving right now. It drives me nuts. There's nobody. People have to say, look, this is. Not the top 10 teams. It's the teams that are undefeated and deserve to go in so far, right? Isn't that more of a fair way to say it?
1: Exactly. I think so. And Kev, yeah, that's why I have two different um, metrics that I. That I generate, that I create. I have my K-Ford ratings, which those are power ratings. That's what you would use as a better, what, what more in line with what Vegas would have of who would be favored over who on a neutral field tomorrow. And then I have my most deserving rankings, and those are resume-based, so those ones look backwards. Has nothing to do with who would be favored over who, but who has accomplished the most in this season to date? relative to what the average top 25 team would be expected to accomplish against that given team's schedule. So in my own numbers, I have Tennessee most deserving ranked number one. So I think the committee got that right. I think they are the most deserving team relative to their schedule and what would be expected of the average top 25 team to achieve against that. But in the power ratings... I have Tennessee. Actually, for the first time all year, they've cracked the top four. They've been in that fi- they've been in that five to seven range really since about week two. For the first time this year, just this week, they just uh, slid past Michigan, and I have them power rated number four though. But to your point. Their number one. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna get to the game in a second. So I'll I'll share some of that uh, when we get to the game. But right. uh, yes, uh, the, the the committee's rankings, in my opinion, and I think they would say the same, should not be viewed as a this team would be favored over this team if they played tomorrow. We're gonna see Tennessee Georgia here this weekend. Uh, but it's who's achieved the most to this point, and I think that's the way it should be.
0: Oh, I completely agree with you. And I think after a full schedule is played, if you're still undefeated, then they really got to look into the situation. We remember UCF being knocked out of the top four and uh they beat auburn of course in the bowl game and all hell broke loose well i enjoyed that because i personally think there should be more than four playoff teams but either way i love chaos and i also hate my teams too so uh we we have something common. i hate my teams they suck um but uh (laughs) i have no excuse for them it's like you you can pick them apart i agree with you (laughs) I'm never going to be that guy uh, coming at you about that. But I love how you do that, too. I I think it's great that you have your own power rating system. And I really love the fact that you show people deserving. There's a massive difference. And uh, check out k FordRatings.com, so you can actually see that it's a it's a fantastic way of portraying college football right now uh you know i saw something on your twitter handle about getting married during uh football season what, what do you think about robert Kraft getting married during the fall man what's going on here
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. So one, I'm a Colts fan, right? So uh, the, the Patriots have been our nemesis for a very long time. And I know the rivalry maybe wasn't always two-sided since they seem to get the better of us more times than not. And it's died down a little since Peyton and Tom have mo- both moved on to different things, but um, or different teams or things, I should say. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very strong against fall weddings. Uh, it, is, it is in my Twitter bio, ban fall weddings. Uh, I don't think they should be uh, taking place on college football Saturdays. So I'm against it. Robert Kraft's of a- billionaire I think or at least a multi-millionaire he can do what he wants he can marry who he wants he can do whatever but uh I gotta question his his fandom of at least college football uh to have that wedding in the fall I don't like it if he, if he would have invited me I would have said no that's for sure so uh and, and not because I don't like him as a, as a person but hey man you can't be scheduling that on a college football Saturday come on now
0: oh man you know it's funny it, it was always for me back in madison i i didn't like when people got married on badger game day because everyone went down to badger game day you know that was the thing yeah. to do it's like right? it's like you go down and party have fun and uh someone getting married eh, might have to you might you better be a good friend <laughs> and then you'll get tisked a little bit later for having a badger game day wedding so that's how that's, it, right. that's how it was now it's just like for me as a sports better uh i guess that someone that, that does it a lot more and cares about it than back into the late nineties and the early two thousands, I definitely am against fall winnings as well. So uh, I think it hurt Tampa Bay even more, you know, so uh, oh, it, it seemed like Tom Brady was still hung over when he played that Sunday. So
1: Yikes, Yeah, it's not, it's not nothing's good in Tampa Bay right now with that team. And again, I'm, I'm more in the college space, but yeah, it doesn't take an expert to know something's not right. Things aren't going well. And uh Maybe Tom should have stayed retired. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Maybe he should have. But let's get into this massive, uh, well, card of games. It's a big week in the SEC, as we both know. And being that you have power ratings, you can talk sports betting, my man. And I'm excited to get into that with you. Why don't we jump right into one of the big games this weekend? Tennessee versus Georgia. And I wrote down minus eight total at Gosh, is it 66 still? I have to check an updated uh, number, but I'm curious where you think this spread should be um, and uh, possibly any other information on the total or if it's bettable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I should, uh, just as a disclaimer, I do have totals, obviously, with my numbers, um, but my... My rating system is really uh, geared towards optimizing the spread and, and trying to get the spread right. So I wouldn't trust my totals, basically, as far as I can throw them. But I do I have had success uh, providing information about spreads and uh, what the K-4 projected spread is relative to Vegas. So I'll probably keep my comments more towards the spreads during our conversations. But yeah, this game this weekend, Tennessee-Georgia, it's going to be incredible. It's one versus three in the committee's rankings. I actually had Georgia ranked number five in terms of deserving This week, Um, I don't think they've done quite as much with their schedule as they're getting credit for, even though they have dominated their schedule, which which they're expected to do as one of the top teams in the country. I have Tennessee most deserving one, as we said, power rated four, but I have Georgia power rated three. And when you have the power rated three team at home to the power rated four team, obviously the three is going to be favored. My number is actually like Georgia in this game by nine and a half. So I do think I think the, I think if you would have got this number last week, it was somewhere around 12 or 13. I think I saw so clearly Tennessee's demolishment of Kentucky. And that's what it was. Um Made, it, made an influence here. And I, I know Florida took care, or Georgia took care of business against Florida as well. It got tight there for a second in the middle, but then they pulled away. Um, I, I do like Georgia in this game. I think Sanford Stadium is going to be rocking. They haven't had a game this big there in quite some time. Um, with the SEC East on the line, a trip to Atlanta on the line well, – possibly a trip to the college Bowl playoff on the line, even though I would argue the loser of this game definitely still has a path, but they might need a little bit of help depending on how other things shake out. Um, this is going to be an absolutely phenomenal game. Georgia to me has been in the top three all year in the power ratings, Tennessee peaking right now uh, at number four, like I said, but I do like Georgia to win this game. I have a 75% win probability for them to win it stri- uh, straight up. And I think they are going to cover that spread. Not a lot of value, right? There's only a 1.5 point difference between my numbers and the Vegas line, but, that's, you know, that's actually pretty good. Usually my numbers are, are real close to Vegas, if not right on. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that uh, I do think that Georgia covers this game. And I, I think that environment is going to be absolutely phenomenal.
0: Well, that shows a great power rating if you match the market that much. Obviously, uh, it, when you get later and later in the season, if yours aren't matching the market somewhat, <laughs> it's wrong. a you problem, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get in. I, I actually have Tennessee as my fifth best team. I have Georgia is my second best team in my power ratings, but the distance did even though it, it kind of well, I guess is like an xylophone kind of smashed together. Then Michigan moved up towards Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State over the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. It's still not quite there, and my number is exactly eight and a half in this game from a power rating perspective. There you go. But here's my problem, man. um I, I still would lean the points just because that's how some of these big games have been going. Shootouts, nonetheless, and it's such you look at it, it's such an important game. but is it that important? Yeah, you know, I started thinking about this again. Ohio State and Michigan are is going to have a loss, right? One of them, at least. And so the one lost SEC team gets ahead of at least Michigan via schedule. So it's not even that bad of a loss. If I, I almost wonder if it's almost like less pressure. I'm one loss and I'm going right to the playoffs. It, it almost feels like that because you're not going to take a one loss Oregon over them because Georgia smoked them. You know you're not going to take a one loss USC because um, their schedule hasn't been all that good. I, I don't. I don't. Maybe you look in the Big Twelve or Clemson. It, it'd be really tough to argue over them. So even though it's a big game, I find it funny, Kelly, that these. Both these teams should be in anyway.
1: Yeah, I think the... the, I don't necessarily disagree. It is interesting. It's an interesting dynamic um, because both these teams are undefeated. They might get that mulligan to play with. I think the risk you run... Is that Alabama win or, or I mean Alabama or Ole Miss? I suppose one of those teams with one loss is out of the SEC West wins the SEC championship against the winner here because now you now you're behind two teams already. You're behind the if you lose this game, yeah. you're behind the te- you're behind the team you just lost to, and you're behind Alabama or Ole Miss, whichever wins as and is the SEC champs with one loss. Now you've got to hope. That Clemson or T- and or TCU drops one along the way because if, if the winner of Ohio State Michigan's undefeated, that's three spots gone. And now if Cle- if either Clemson or TCU is undefeated or even a a one loss champion, now you're looking at com- you're comparing one loss to one loss. And the committee has in the past valued that conference championship as maybe a tiebreaker. So I agree with you. There's absolutely a path, and and the loser here still has to feel good. Hey, we still have a lot to play for. But I'd still want to win this game just to uh, to give you, give you that inside track to Atlanta. That way, if you get to Atlanta twelve and zero you're in period. doesn't matter if you win or lose a game. We saw it last year with Georgia. And if you win this game, I mean, I'm looking forward at the schedules. Tennessee's got versus Missouri at South Carolina at Vanderbilt. My numbers have them as a 16 plus point favorite in each of those games. Georgia's got at Mississippi state at Kentucky versus Georgia tech. My numbers have them as 13 and a half plus in each of those games. They're not losing another regular season game between here and there. So uh, if you win this game, I think they're going to be in Atlanta at 12 and 0. And at that point you've already booked your spot in my opinion. So I think there's still a lot to play for, but I do hear your point of the loser still has a path, absolutely.
0: I was just trying to be nice to the fans <laughs> out there. Really. Well, see, I, I hate these teams. So I, I, I hate these teams, so yeah. I, I, I hate Tennessee's defense, and I oh. I have a rule. if Unless it's like a major major misleading final score, if I faded the team the week before, I'm not going to get on them the next week because there's a reason I did. Tennessee's defense ranks 103rd against the pass. You know, that's not good. It just takes a few hiccups of, of them on offense and they can't catch up because the other team keeps scoring, right? That's what's keeping Ten- me away.
1: T- Tennessee's offense is phenomenal. They're off the charts. They're the best in the country by most metrics, including my own. The defense is cause for concern. Um, at this To this point, it hasn't bitten them. I do think the defense has improved, I mean, if you will, a little bit as the season's gone on. Obviously, a great showing this past week against Kentucky. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's still an area of – relative concern again we're, we're talking about the best of the best of the best and they are not in that level on the defensive side of the ball we'll see if this Georgia offense can uh, expose that this weekend because you know that Georgia defense is going to be in a position where they might slow down that Tennessee offense more than anybody else has this year at least that's uh kind of how it's shaping up so we'll see
0: I feel the same and I think Georgia's defense is better than Alabama's and Agreed. if there's a couple hiccups on offense that's the end of for Tennessee Georgia's just gonna keep scoring there let's move on to the next game Wake Forest versus NC State. And you picked this one, Kelly. Wake Forest is a road chalk, minus two. Total of this game is 54. Being that you picked it, you must have something to talk about.
1: Yeah, so I picked it, uh, Kiev, really, to be honest, as you said, hey, Kelly, go ahead and pick a couple games. I picked it because it's a a ranked-ranked matchup by the CFP. And, you know, there's not a whole lot to be playing for in this division of the ACC. I mean, Clemson's got it wrapped up. And this is the Atlantic. The Coastal is. Kind of a train wreck. I mean, North Carolina, I guess, in the driver's seat there. But regardless, I think Clemson's going to be favored big time in the conference championship game. But this game still has intrigue because both of these teams can still achieve ten win seasons. Which to me, like for these programs, that should be considered a great, great years. Um, and they're but they both still have that opportunity at this point. I am a bit surprised here to see the number being Wake minus four. Um, my numbers, my numbers actually like NC State to win this game uh, just st- straight up. I mean, I-, I like them to win it outright. I know this is a different NC state team with, with instead of without, without having Leary, but that's been a while now. So to me, I like NC state to pull the upset here. I think it's a night game at NC state. Again, They've got still a lot to play for, even if they're not going to end up in Charlotte or in the college football playoff. I know the beginning of the season, there was some talk about NC State and Wake Forest, for that matter, since they brought back Sam Hartman. Could these teams be dark horses for the playoffs? I never bought into that. I tried to caution folks that were buying into that, that I did not think these rosters were of that talent level that you need to be in the playoff but there's still a lot to play for. Um, I think NC State's got some tough games coming up. They got Boston College next, but that's I mean, they should win that one easily. But at Louisville, at North Carolina, my numbers have them as underdogs in each of those games. Wake Forest, on the other hand, I have them as short favorites uh, in each of their remaining games. So I do think um, if Wake Forest is able to get get it done here, and Vegas thinks they will, I, I tend to disagree. Uh, but if Wake Forest is, I think that 10 win season becomes a uh, something that they can actually achieve. But I like NC State in this game, and I think it's a it's a low key. Really interesting game in the ACC with a lot on the line for these two programs and the trajectory that they're trying to build uh, to become contenders in the ACC on a regular basis moving forward.
0: It is. I agree. It's it's low key yet good. And and you know it's funny that both teams are ranked. I, I disagree with NC State being ranked. And after what I saw last week with Wake Forest, I I don't even know what the hell I was watching right there, man. I, I it's it wasn't even just the interceptions the six of them in one half, which we've never seen anything like that in yeah. our life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that they ran the clock out on themselves the first half with two possessions. They, they did it with two thirty left. I watched the game and then they did it again. And then they could have kicked the field goal, but they ran the time off. It was, I don't know what Clawson was doing, dude. It, it blew my mind.
1: It, it, it was rough. I mean, everything about that game to your point was rough for wake forest. Um, Yeah, I mean, neither one. NC State, yeah, they they won last week, but it was a one-point win on, I think it was a Thursday night. It was a weeknight game, Thursday night maybe, against Virginia Tech. Like, Virginia Tech's not a very good team. I have them power-rated kind of, you know, round number 90. So you would expect a team like NC State to do a little bit better there. To your point about I don't think either of these teams should be ranked, my most deserving rankings, I have NC State 25 and Wake Forest 26. So very close to where the committee does, um, actually, in terms of what I'm looking at there. But, yeah, from a power-rating standpoint – I have both these teams outside the top 30. I have NC State at number 33 this week and Wake Forest at number 35. So um, that's what kind of my numbers think from a a power rating standpoint. Again, both of these teams down pretty significantly in the power ratings based on their performances last week, even though NC State got that win and predictive metrics. We're not really looking at wins and losses, as as you know, Kiev. We're looking at how do they perform and, and how can we expect them to perform moving forward? So both these teams taking a hit coming into this week, but still a really big game.
0: Well, definitely, was actually playing this game. It, it, they'd be favored by three, you know, and that's a right. seven and a half point difference. That's a lot for a quarterback. Wake's got a 0.67 net yard per play advantage, but they also never lost their quarterback. And now NC State's kind of getting used to it, like you said. My number's 3.5. So it's not like I have a bunch of value here to make a bet, but it is, makes it a lean on NC State. And they can certainly ugly this thing up enough. This low total tells you that they can ugly it up to possibly, you know, maybe upset him. So uh, I, I'm i still got holding an under for Wake Forest for the season win total. So I'm kind of hoping anyway, NC State gets this done. That was a rough start for me there. I, I even think uh, obviously they're going to get their quarterback back and they did right before the season started. So that was interesting, but I'll lean NC State with you, man. Let's move on what, to, what, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, what was, what was the season win? total? I can give you what my numbers give you the chance of hitting that. Eight and a half. It was eight and a half. Okay, so they got to get to eight. My or they got to get to nine. You have the under. My numbers only give it a thirty-eight percent chance to get to nine. So I think. I mean, I I think the numbers are in your favor now. At this point, obviously, this game's going to go a long way. And in, in yeah, this game's going to be. As this game's
0: said. really going to go a long way. But they do have a, a tough uh, finish here, I believe, on their schedule. If I can just they quick do. quick pull it up yeah. here. They I know got, they
1: got North North Carolina at home, Syracuse at home, and at Duke. So I mean, you, you're probably gonna you're gonna like the Duke chance at Duke a little bit but my numbers have it as within a field goal both at home to North Carolina and Syracuse so
0: and, and Duke is a better team so than they you know they have been in the past so like they are. I got them
1: 60 61 is where I got them
0: all right 61 <laughs> not yep they're I, they're not despicable let's say yeah <laughs> let's move on to the next game uh TCU they are hosting Texas Tech TCU is favored minus 9.5. The total is uh, 69.5. It's a pretty big total here. So, I mean, the way I look at this game, Cal, it's like, seriously, what gives TCU? What the heck is going on? A little bit smoke and mirish themselves. I'm sure you might have gotten a few spats on Twitter with TCU fans. I have. So, um, so (laughs) I know that, but they keep proving me wrong, but I think they have a great coach in Sonny Dykes, but they're another one of those teams like a poor man's Tennessee that has a bad defense and keeps getting by. Wait till their tough offensive game. And this could be it right now here because they have a look ahead. They have Texas on deck, which is a much bigger, I guess, game to them than beating little old Texas tech TCU's offense has been incredible. Like I said, but it, ranking 84th in EPA per play on defense is not going to get the job done throughout the whole season. Texas Tech, not the greatest season, but now Tyler Shook, uh, I, I believe, is back. Um, and their defense has really been kind of holding them up, ranking 22nd in success rate, 39th in EPA per play. Normally, you don't talk about Texas Tech having a defense, Kelly, but they kind of do this year. The big thing for me is, uh, is, is the fact that when Shook... Is coming back, he will uplift this team, and he's a much better quarterback uh than Donovan and and the other guy, I forgot his name. Uh, in my opinion, that's why he was the starter coming into this year. So uh he did tinker a few plays last week, but they weren't quite ready to put him in. And I think that uh this would be the spot that they could uh I think take advantage and get a big key win for this program. I know they're on the road at TCU, but this look ahead to Texas is massive. The Red Raiders are six and zero against the spread. Their last six game following a loss, so a little trend to go with me. And uh, I personally bought the number to ten. I paid eight cents extra for it, minus one eighteen. But I I I'd give it away at nine and a half. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, my number, I'm with you on a lot of that. My numbers, I have very little betting value in this. They do like TCU by 10. Um, and again, all my numbers are ra- that I'm giving are rounded to the nearest half number. So it's actually a little bit less than that, but not quite to nine and a half. So I do like TCU to cover this. I guess if I had to pick it, I don't feel great about that. To your point about this being a look ahead, I absolutely agree. And I think the one thing that's going to help TCU here, or Sonny Dykes here, maybe in this case in particular, is we had the committee's reveal this week. And TCU came in at number seven. I, if I'm Sonny Dykes, I'm saying, okay, look at this, guys. Yep. They have us number seven, the worst of the undefeated and behind one loss Alabama. I'm thinking that might be enough motivation to help offset the hey, let's not worry about Texas. Let's worry about what the committee thinks of us right now. And that's we're the worst of the undefeated and behind a one loss already. I think that was probably my biggest takeaway from the committee rankings of overall disappointment. I think overall the committee got. Things very very right for the most part. A lot. Of, it's been interesting for me to watch since 2014 the committee's evolution and using analytics and math to inform their rankings. They are very much more aligned now with things like My Most Deserving or ESPN's Strength of Record than they used to be, and I think that's a good thing. The biggest, dis- biggest agreement I had here this week, I have TCU ranked number three. Obviously, the committee has them at seven. Power rated, I have TCU number 12. So I don't think TCU is one of the four best or even one of the ten best teams in the country for some of the reasons that you outlined there. But I do think they're better than Texas Tech. Texas Tech number thirty-nine in my power ratings. Like I said, TCU by ten is my number. It's a seventy-seven percent win probability straight up for the for the frogs. Uh, so I would lean TCU to cover, but I wouldn't feel very good about it. I think the number is just about right.
0: <laughs> buy that extra half a point is what I'd say. I will hey, give that's that away. Right. I'll give it away for ten uh, at the ten for two stars. But I want you to buy that uh, half a point just to be sure. I Texas Tech. This is the perfect spot for them possible upset in the making if this is a true look ahead let's stay in texas then my man let's move on to a game that you turned me on to look at it is the texas longhorns versus kansas state and this is now two and a half it was two a little bit earlier it looks like maybe some texas money came in pushing it to two and a half the total on this is pretty low for a sarkisian type team 54 and a half so Uh, I have some thoughts on this one, but I'll let you go first since you picked it.
1: Yeah, I picked this one because, again, we got ranked versus ranked. I think this is going to go a long way in determining uh, participants in the Big 12 championship game. These teams right now projected two and three in my uh, future standings look. The winner here is going to have the inside track to that number two spot, of course, behind TCU. Texas is a team that I've taken a lot of heat for all year, having power rated so highly. They're like, Kelly, they have three losses. How do you think they're one of the six or seven best teams in the country? I got tired. It's at nauseum now of trying to defend Texas, so I'm uh, not going to do. Th- I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to say my numbers have them as the sixth best team in the country. I think they've been unlucky to lose some of the games that they've lost. Um, Ewers going out versus Alabama, that field goal in overtime, to Texas Tech. Like, I think Texas is a better team than five and three. I have them power rated number six. I have Kansas State power rated thirteen. It's the best power rating that they've had all year, coming off of an absolute demolishment of Oklahoma State. I did not see that coming at all, um, but. Credit to them. It was incredible. I think this could potentially be a letdown spot for Kansas State, having come off that. But anytime you're playing Texas, I feel like teams get up for that. Texas coming off a bye, so they're arrested. Um, But, yeah, for for me – I like Texas in this game, but I only like them by one and a half. So I guess I'd be taking Kansas State and the points here. Again, I don't know how I feel about that. It is pretty close to the line, so there's not a lot of value. Texas coming off that bye. Kansas State, are they going to be able to get back up after what they did last week to Oklahoma State? I tend to think they will because they know if we win this game – We've really put ourselves in a good position to be in Dallas for that Big 12 championship, and I think at the end of the day, that might be enough to, to drive them to keep it close here. I do still like Texas to win it outright, um, but I do think that, that Kansas State can cover the spread.
0: Where the heck is this Will Howard play coming from? <laughs> I, I, you know, I you've had years to prove yourself, and now that Adrian Martinez gets hurt, you look like a freaking star. You know, I don't know what to believe here, man. I mean, they, they just beat the... I mean, Oklahoma State made my ugly of the weekend, and uh, they deserved it. And But Kansas State's got the defense. And if they really have an offense there, watch out. So what we're fighting here is the letdown spot for Kansas State versus Texas on the road. You know, Texas on the road. And that's why I bet Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago um, and cashed that one because Texas on the road. You know, sorry, it's just bad, but... I mean, my power number. I had to downgrade Texas, and you're right. I've been one of those guys that had to defend Texas for a long time. Now I have them close to TCU, like neck and neck in my power ratings. But it took a while, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. and I, I have I'm at the spread. I'm at Texas minus two and a half. But um, I don't know what to believe here. I think yours, It's a massive spot for them to show that they're the team that almost beat Bama. And then they're also the team that blew away Oklahoma. There's was no Dylan Gabriel, but still, you, you 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 shut them out. You know, I mean, yep. th- that takes defense to do that. So I think those two games really pushed our rating systems, Kelly, f- as an efficiency to make them a high power rating team, and that's what we've yep. been dealing with all week or all, all last couple of weeks, but. I, I'm going to stay away from this ugly game. Uh, I can I can find reasons why both teams could lose. So uh, it's going to be a great game, though, for big big it 12 is. matchup, I think. It's going to be massive for both these teams. Let's move on to this one, Clemson versus Notre Dame. And this is now down to plus 3.5. The total is 44.5. Now, I made a play on this, and I saw the weather coming in, and I made a play, but unfortunately, that, that number moved a lot. Fortunate for me, but unfortunate that I can't quite give out the value, but I still kind of like it at the number. I mean, there's going to be a lot of wind, and there's going to be some rain here going on in the Midwest. And what we always say this time of year, Kelly, watch out for weather. It changes games. It's a massive impact. But it's not like these two teams don't have a defense anyway. If you take away the passing game with 20-mile-per-hour winds – 25 mile per hour wind gusts these teams know that they're going to be running the ball and they're going to stuff it you know that's just pretty much what it's going to be which is probably reason why the dog kelly went from four and a half down to three and a half but notre dame ranks 107th in plays per game anyway so they're not exactly that high tempo offense you know they're they're pretty slow when they come to the line of scrimmage They also only allow 22 points per game. They run the ball over 61% of the time. That's pretty high. Clemson, uh, they're average when it comes to tempo, but in offense, not that great. 48th in success rate, 38th in EPA per play. Now, Uyunglele has improved, but he's not, these are ACC opponents that have been terrible, man. We know the ACC isn't good. Notre Dame's actually got a stud, stud defense. You saw Notre Dame go to North Carolina. You know, this is a different in class that Clemson's been beaten. And that's why you got a short spread. But Clemson's defense, 23rd in success rate, allowing less than three yards per rush, 4.9 yards per play. This still spells the under at 44.5. I'll give it away. Under 44 and a half, but my number's 47 and a half. So there you go.
1: Love that. Way to get on it early there. You deserve it. Um, Yeah, my, I think I think the spread, I know you said it's, it's shrunk. I think it should shrink even more. My number's like Clemson to win this game, but they only favor the Tigers by three. This is a Notre Dame team that I think, from a power rating standpoint, has been more highly power-rated than most probably want to acknowledge all year. Again, it starts with yeah, they lost to Ohio State, and what most consider a pretty a decent showing for Notre Dame. But then that next week, right, they lose to Marshall, and then they th- they lay the stinker against Stanford in Week Seven. And so, so you've the, the, what you've seen of Notre Dame, what you've heard of Notre Dame is wow, man, they've lost to a couple bad teams. They've also won some good games. Like you said, they won at North Carolina. They won at Syracuse. They beat a BYU team who at the time was a decent team. They're certainly not a decent <laughs> team anymore, I, would, I wouldn't I would argue. Um, but this is a Notre Dame team. I have power rated number 18. Clemson's number seven. But you throw in that home field advantage. You throw in some of those environmental factors that you talked about. I do think Clemson's going to find a way to get this done. But I think it's going to be a close one. I like Notre Dame and the points here. Again, not, not a ton of value. But... Um, given on this one where it is. But yes, I do think Clemson gets it done. It's a 59% win probability for the Tigers. And of note here, if Clemson gets through this game, looking at their remaining schedule, they've got Louisville, Miami, South Carolina all at home. My numbers like them by 10.5, 17, and 15.5, and respectively, in each of those. Clemson's chances to finish 12-0 and 0, um, go up dramatically if they win this weekend at Notre Dame. And then I do expect them to be favored in that ACC championship game, as I said, against really anybody looking like North Carolina right now. Um, so Clemson, If folks who don't want to see Clemson in the playoff, You got to root for Notre Dame this weekend because this is going to be the Tigers' (laughs) best – this is going to be their best chance to lose a game the rest of the way, in my opinion. Not to say they can't loot lay a stinker somewhere. We've seen that before. But um, I just think this is a – it's a good Clemson team. They're not great, but they're good. And they were one of my preseason picks to make the playoff. I'm not backing off that now.
0: I was about to say, if you're a Michigan or Ohio State fan, especially because Ohio State – Only beat Notre Dame by 11. You are going for Notre Dame this game. Mm -hmm. And even in Tennessee, Georgia, you know, you get that one loss. You don't want Clemson to be undefeated and unscathed going in. You know, USC, Oregon fans, they should be uh, the same thing. TCU, uh, they'll be cheering for Notre Dame. And that's why this is a really big marquee game of the weekend. So I'm glad we covered it. I'm I'm hoping for low scoring, as you know, uh, ugly it up a little bit and uh no overtime so uh, we'll see if we can get that far uh in this game ready to get to the other big game of the week uh FIU versus North Texas right um let's get it yep that's a huge
1: (laughs) huge one in Conference USA yeah
0: yeah yeah massive no we're staying in the SEC obviously the four best SEC teams are playing each other too because I do put LSU as fourth now with what they've done lately uh Ten, Alabama going to LSU so we don't talk before the show um but I and, and I love the integrity of that but I do have a play on this game and I'm gonna let you go first Kelly to see if it aligns or if it doesn't
1: okay uh I hope it aligns here I, I don't know what it is as you said I'm, I'm looking at the line I see right now is Alabama minus 13 and a half yep so My numbers, I don't think there's a ton of value here. My numbers like Alabama to win this game, but they only favor the uh, the Tide by 13. So I guess technically I'd be taking LSU in the points. Uh, I don't love that, uh, just given that the high-powered capacity that Alabama has. But this game is at LSU. It is at night. Tiger Stadium at night is a very difficult place to play. Alabama's experienced that in recent years. Uh, Really, every time they go there, it's a tough game. So, I think Alabama's the the far superior team on a neutral field. I have them power rated number two. I have LSU power rated number 11. So, again, two of the best, you know, 10, 11 teams in the country. LSU comes in number 10 in the committee's rankings. I'd have them number 15, so there's a little bit of discrepancy there. Alabama comes in at number six. I have them number four. So, again, a little discrepancy, not much. But I think this Alabama offense is really, really good. I think the Alabama defense has the potential when they are committed to playing really, really well. LSU, though, th- I know they have the two losses and the surprise of the week in week one, losing to Florida State. It was a really close game. Obviously, there was some, some weirdness at the end. I think most people, myself included, just kind of expected LSU to perform better in that game. They've improved by leaps and bounds from the beginning of the season. I, I know they got the doors blown off against Tennessee. What we've come to find out is Tennessee is a really, really good team. It was surprising that happened at LSU. It was in the middle of the day, though, not a night game. So... I don't know where you're going with your with your play here. I guess my numbers technically like uh, LSU to uh, cover this line, but I wouldn't feel great about it given where my numbers are. And uh, I, it's gonna be a phenomenal game. I just from a betting standpoint, I'm not sure, but I'm curious where, where are you at, here?
0: <laughs> well, you definitely built it up for me. Um, <laughs> this total kind of tells it all, you know, if you really look at it, it's 56 and a half in an Alabama game. Why is it only 56 and a half? in an Alabama game here, and it's and Alabama's not a 40-point favorite. You know, no, normally you see that kind of thing. Well, that kind of tells you that there's value possibly on the dog here. You know, it's so weird for me, this Alabama team. I'm so back and forth with them. But something's different in this Bryce Young era, man, this era. It's like he plays down to his competition a lot. Um, you saw that against Texas. You saw that against Texas A&M. Uh, that wasn't Bryce young, but still it was the backup, it was kind of, it was the whole Alabama, um, LSU last year, almost beat them. You know, LSU with a worse team and definitely a worse coach almost beat them. Uh, Tennessee, you know, this year, of course, beat. Them. I mean, look, metrically Bama's got a 2.11 yard per play advantage and that's fantastic. But Alabama's also had an easier strength schedule, especially, um, When it comes to the non-conference, you know, they had some very easy games. Utah State, Um, LSU just kind of creep in the last few weeks. Um, They also have some really good metrics. I'm going to share my screen and and look at some of the advanced metrics. I have a nice spreadsheet that kind of has it all laid out here. You know, you got Alabama offensive success rate number 30. You got LSU and their offensive success rates number 10. You know, if you just look at the same thing on the defensive side, Alabama 17, LSU 40, That's not a massive difference here. You know, and uh, you got LSU that had to, you know, get through some of those big games. Uh, What they did to Mississippi, to Ole Miss. You know, I thought that was very impressive. They did have the hiccup against Tennessee. They destroyed Florida like Florida was. They looked like Georgia when they played Florida, man. Mm -hmm. So I I was really intrigued by a lot of that. Look at Alabama's uh, offensive line yards. 120th. Their offensive line is just not doing it. They're not getting as much push. You know, a lot of these advanced metrics really lean towards LSU. So I'm taking a shot at LSU. My power ratings are about 12 and a half actually for this game, but you also have to remember that LSU is coming off the bye here um and they had this game circled all year. I mean, how could you not? This is the game that could uh, you know, get them going here. As a program, um, it's also a night va- a night game in Death Valley. So uh, I know Clemson and them call their home Death Valley, but it is what it is. Um, a much worse LSU team almost got them last year. Yep, I think Bama's weakness too against running quarterbacks. Jalen Daniels rushing the football. You know that he's great at it, and, and they just have really gotten flying lately. I'm taking the points, man, for two and a half stars
1: love it
0: yep now no disagreement uh you're a half point off and i'm only a point off but you got to look at the spot you got to look at the fact that all the pressure's on alabama now that they got that loss at lsu uh, sitting at home sitting pretty crowds gonna be absolutely fired up liquored up oh it's gonna be a fun one man i'm very excited for this game let's do a little hodgepodge real quick here um I'll, i'll pull up uh Yeah, you know, I wanted to talk about my Wisconsin Badgers a little bit. I I find this spread a little bit funny. I think it's it's funny because it's slightly you like two, three weeks ago, you probably would have thought Maryland, you know, would have been a pick'em against the Wisconsin Badgers, and they're not. Wisconsin's getting more credit. Now it's five. It was five and a half. So it looks like a little money came out of Maryland. I think this is a touch too big. But also, I think it's also the perception of Leonard, you know, coming in. Paul Chris was fired. The dude was stubborn, kind of a lunkhead. I, I think he was kind of lethargic, you know, in his older years, getting paid a lot of money. I mean, his bio was like sixteen million dollars. But you got a young Jim Leonard here, and I don't think he's taking crap. I think he's got this team motivated. I think he's getting them mistake free, and maybe this is the Graham Mertz that you're starting to see that we are all hoping for a couple weeks ago. So Wisconsin's getting respect in the market. Unfortunately, because of their season, Kelly, I can't get to five. I mean, I'm still at like three, three and a half here, but it also goes to show you that a lot of people are not buying Maryland's BS, even though they're in the Big Ten East. Uh, Any quick thoughts about this one?
1: I'm right there with you. My numbers like this, uh, Wisconsin, three and a half. So I think I think five, five and a half, that's too much. Uh, both these teams coming off a bye into this week. So um, Wisconsin at home, I think they're going to do enough to get the job done, but I do think that number is too high. I've got the Badgers power rated number 22, which is a nice – Bump up from where they were, you know, after they started the season 2-3 and with some losses, Washington State, Ohio State, no shame in that. Illinois, maybe that's not quite as bad of a loss as we thought at the time. Um, But power rated number 22, Maryland, having a nice season in their own right, you know, 6-2, and losses to Michigan, again, no shame in that. The Purdue one, they'd probably like to have back, but Purdue still got a chance to win the West. They got a big game against Illinois coming up soon. So I have Maryland power rated number 29. This is a really, really big game in the Big Ten. Maybe not for the conference standings and, and, and playing in Indianapolis, but just in terms of what both of these teams are still trying to achieve. Jim Leonard, of course, trying to put his stamp on the program as the as the head coach and earn that role in a full-time capacity. Um, and Maryland, you know, still has a chance to win 10 games. I know it's not likely. They've got to go on the road to Penn State after this weekend. They've got to play Ohio State at home. So they're going to be big dogs in both of those games, um, but you know, they still only have two losses. It's a Maryland program that uh, is, is better than they have been in recent years. I mean, it, it's not too long ago that Maryland was talked about with Indiana and Rutgers and some of those teams, Northwestern, that you talk about kind of at the bottom of the Big Ten, even though somehow Northwestern ends up in Indy about every other year or every third year. So that Fitzgerald just finds a way. And then the next <laughs> year they win one game like right now. So it's a down year for Northwestern. But uh, yeah, this will be a good game. I like your Badgers to win. I don't like them to cover. Yeah, me too. What?
0: How ugly do you want to get here? Because there's some ugly games. Um, I mean, do you want to go Florida, Texas, A&M ugly? Or do you want to go Minnesota, Nebraska ugly here?
1: <laughs> I, I, I'll go wherever you want to go. I just got to pull it up here on my screen. No problem. Well, let's, let's,
0: let's go Minnesota, Nebraska. Florida,
1: Florida. Let's, let's do, let's. Okay.
0: Well, it's so okay. funny because it's like, how big of a number do you have to put up here? You know, you know how bad is Nebraska? When are they going to have that kind of like the kids show up one more time for the year, you know?
1: Yep. I yep. Mean, no, I Go ahead. What's the number here? What's it's the number 16, here? What are we looking at? It's 16 at? plus 16, it's
0: 16. They're a home dog. Um yep. it's an earlier game, but a home dog to Minnesota at plus 16 with a low total of 46.5. I mean, we saw what Minnesota did to Michigan State on the road. But you know that that's going to happen from time to time. Michigan State is not a good team at all. They did have that good win against Wisconsin, though. It went to overtime. It was their homecoming. But man, I, I still I, I'm just upset with myself because I still you can make this 21, and I still probably won't bet Nebraska Kelly.
1: So so I'm I don't disagree with you on the principle of trying to bet Nebraska during a year in which they have struggled very mightily. And it's not like last year's team. Last year's team lost a lot of games, but from a predictive standpoint. They were still a, quote, good team. Like, I I think I had them power rated at the end of last year, somewhere around number 30. I don't remember the exact number, but it was in that range. And they were a three and nine football team power rated number 30. There was a lot of bad luck for that team last year. Ultimately, it ends up costing Scott Frost his job. This year started much the same. Um, But this year is not that. It's not that. This team losing a lot of games, but they're not a good team, to your point. I have them power rated number 75 but I actually only have this number at 11. So I, I like the math says, take Nebraska in the points here, but my brain says, don't you dare touch Nebraska because this is just a woeful team. And the last two times, two times we've seen them have been losing efforts with a buy smashed in between Minnesota. Uh, they had a rough stretch. there, losing Purdue, Illinois, Penn state. They bounced back last week with a, with the shutout win over Rutgers, but Rutgers, not a good team. So um, yeah, I, Minnesota's going to win this game. It's a matter of how much. My numbers don't think they're going to cover that big spread, but – I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if they do. So, um, again, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence there. I know I'm just talking out of both sides of my mouth. But numbers say take Nebraska in the points. My brain says uh, probably just stay away from this one.
0: Yeah, and looking at the injury report, Casey Thompson is questionable. So that's that's where you get the five, six points right there, Kelly. And that's why of the adjustment. You know, a lot of people don't think he's going to play. There's also a couple receivers and a running back for Nebraska. This could be a skeleton crew. You know, you don't know what's going on. And that's another reason why it's a big stay away because of those injuries. What about uh Florida Texas A&M it almost sounded like you wanted me to bring that one up first
1: Well well I think it's just interesting to me as I scroll over to that I just the Texas A&M piece is funny because in the preseason I put out you know my realistic expectations for teams and I had 8 and 4 for Texas A&M as the most likely outcome and Texas A&M fans were all over me saying are you are you crazy are you kidding me have you seen this class we have coming in there's no we have the highest paid coach in the country all these things and I just kind of sat there and said, yeah, I see all that. I know all that. You also play in the SEC West. A lot of this talent's really young. They haven't been in some of these environments before. Now they can't even go eight and four because they've already (laughs) lost five games. So like to me, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so where are all these Texas A&M fans now? Well, they're probably all logged off Twitter for the rest of the year. Um, But yeah, I, I still with that said, Texas A&M I still have them power rated inside my top 30. Uh, they have lost four consecutive games. They are at home in this one. I do like them to win this game. I'm trying to see you got the spread there is minus 3. I do like them by more than that actually. I do I do like A&M by about 5. Florida is a team coming off back-to-back losses, you know, uh, against LSU and then at the Cocktail Party last week against Georgia. Um a team that started the year really well with that win against Utah. Then they dropped Kentucky and they've kind of gone back and forth since picking up wins against teams they should and losing to the better teams that they played. So I, I don't know. I, there's only a 76% chance that Florida gets bowl eligible. I don't expect them to win this game. Then they got South Carolina Vanderbilt. You really got to take care of business in those. Cause you close with Florida state and my numbers have you as about a five and a half point dog there. So I think the, this is a, this is a tale of two programs. I expect Texas A&M to win this game but I do think Florida, with the coaching staff they have in there now and the culture that they're trying to build, might be better positioned for success moving forward. One, they're in the East, and I know divisions might go away as Texas and Oklahoma come in, but they're in the East for now, which is the easier of the two. And a and I just don't know. I mean, all these recruits that they brought in, are they going to stick around? I, they've got, you've got some players suspended now. I I, I just... I don't know. I don't know what the future of Texas A&M holds. They have all the money in the world. They have all the su- support in the world from their fans. It's it's an incredible environment every single weekend. It doesn't matter who they're playing or, or what the spread is or how the te- what the team's record is. It's great, but um, yeah, I just I don't know. It, it could if if A&M loses this game, which again I've just said I don't think they will. But if they do, now you're sitting there with six losses three and six and it's like uh, is Jimbo fired I mean I don't know like, I, I certainly wouldn't want to pay that buyout but they have the deepest pockets in college football it seems so who knows yeah
0: I don't even know why they have the deepest pockets in college football it just makes oil no- money I, yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it makes no sense to me but they they have a ton of them ton of boosters and you know metrically I mean y- the yards per play is Florida both strengths of schedules very hard uh florida i've seen them against the run they look terrible but i will say even though they lost by 22 the spread was 22 and a half through 23 points against Georgia. i did see some flashes they did blitz well last game and um I, nothing from texas a&m looks good but the spot really favors texas a&m i mean the spot itself that's why you're laying minus 125 on a three. You know what? I don't want to lay minus. That. I don't want to lay juice on Texas AM. and They don't deserve to have juice on any number, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like one of those teams. I could see them losing to Florida. I could see Richardson getting together. I like Coach Napier better than Jimbo now. I, I do, especially with what he did with Louisiana, man. So, yeah, this is just one to stay away, but I wanted to bring it up on a nice, big, ugly game. Uh, Ohio State at Northwestern. Uh, if Ohio state blew out Penn state a little bit better than what they did instead of actually being metrically equal and the turnovers doing it, I might be betting Northwestern at a plus 38, but geez, this could be like, all right, let's get our stuff, fixed this week. Maybe they even bring back Smith and the Jigba for once, you know, I mean, I almost feel like they're saving him for the Michigan game in the playoffs, you know, but uh, th- that's why I'm not going to uh, bet Northwestern plus 38 at home. But it wouldn't shock me if Northwestern really got up for this game and uh, you know, just kinda like did something the first half, you know. I mean maybe a first half play or something.
1: I like Ohio State to win this one obviously by thirty six and a half though. So I think the number is right around right. Anytime you're getting spreads that big though I mean, a garbage-time TD, backdoor, like, you see it all the time in betting. That's why I kind of tend to shy away from betting in general, uh, just because of the bad beats and all that. But, yeah, this is – it's a huge spread. Ohio State's going to roll. It's just how bad do they want to put the foot down and uh, can Northwestern show a pulse because they've been a team that really, since that week one upset win of Nebraska out in Ireland, I mean, they've just done nothing. So
0: Yeah, my number's 34.25. So So, yeah, it's not like – you know, you're getting a massive blowout of value. When it comes to those high spreads, you need a bigger defense too, or a bigger uh, difference yep. too. So, yep. um hey, last game, let's just quick look at is Friday, uh, Oregon State versus Washington. This is so intriguing to me because I like both coaches, I like both teams, but what we don't know about Oregon State is the quarterback situation. I believe the last injury update I have, and we'll just see what covers has. I go from multiple places for injuries. And a lot of stuff doesn't get reported with covers. But Chance Nolan, still questionable here. Uh, If he plays, I would take four and a half. I'll tell you that. But what are your thoughts,
1: Kelly? Yeah, I I think that's right. I mean, these are... I've got Oregon State power rated number 42. I've got Washington number 36. So I do expect this to be a really competitive game. It's always fun out in the Pac-12. I'm with you, though. I think I think that's going to be the telltale. I, I, I don't have a strong lean in this game. I think the number is probably about right. And so, uh, yeah, it's the Pac-12. I tell you, they're... They're having a bit of a renaissance out there with, you know, Oregon, Utah, UCLA, USC, all being in that mix for or the conversation of the CFP, all in the mix for the Pac-12 championship. Obviously, they've done away with divisions, so it's just the two best conference records, making it exciting. And uh, I am going to try to enjoy the current makeup of the conference because I know you're a Big Ten guy with Wisconsin. I'm a Big Ten guy. went to Purdue. Uh, I understand why the change is happening with USC and UCLA. I don't like it. I think it's I like counter it to tradition of college football and yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have those teams playing in the in, in the heartland on a regular basis. But hey, money drives everything money talks so uh that's not that's not the game we're talking about i know but the pac-12 is just uh it's exciting this year that's for sure and and this oregon state washington game will definitely be a good one
0: money ruins everything so before you get your powerball tickets today just remember money ruins everything don't be bummed out when you lose all right (laughs) And and saying that man we are out of time kelly thank you so much for coming on this show where could our listeners and viewers get your great information and numbers
1: absolutely kev i really appreciate you having me on you can find me on twitter at k forward ratings uh the, the podcast at we hate your team underscore on social media you can find that podcast we hate your team wherever you find your podcast i also have a website uh kfordratings.com. so um any of those places you can find me i really appreciate the time again kev this was a lot of fun and uh let's enjoy another great week of college football
0: loved every second of it kelly make sure you guys check out kelly at k forward ratings now it is time for The Sharp Side of the Force The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by Betfred.com For a 100% sign-up bonus Please visit Betfred and use the promo code odds 22 Terms conditions, and Location apply Alright, Sharp College Football as of Wednesday 11-2 22-sharp money on Rice Plus 1.5 to minus 3.5 Hosting UTEP, 82% of tickets 99% of money Sharp money on Ohio State Minus 31 and minus 38 at Northwestern. 77% of the tickets, 96% of the money. Sharp Baylor, plus six to plus three and a half at Oklahoma. 79% of the tickets and 94% of the money. Sharp Memphis, plus five and a half to plus three and a half. Hosting UCF, 16% of the tickets and 98% of the money. Sharp Fresno State, minus two, 22 and a half to 27 and a half. Hosting Hawaii, 48% of the tickets and 98% of the money. Sharp totals. Oregon State versus Washington under 60.5 to 55 51% of the tickets 81% of the money. Sherman and Iowa versus Purdue under 44 to 41 80% of the tickets and 99% of the money. Sherman and Florida versus Texas A&M over 50.5 to 55.5 55% of the tickets and 95% of the money. Sherman and Clemson versus Notre Dame under 49 to 44.5 55% of the tickets and 66% of the money some buyback there actually sharp money on alabama versus lsu under 58 and a half to 56.5 23 percent of the tickets and 55 percent of the money sharp nfl week nine sharp money on the seahawks plus three to plus two at arizona 81 percent of the tickets 90 percent of the money i don't like that one sharp money on buccaneers minus one and a half to minus three 57 percent of the tickets and 90 percent of the money sharp totals Chargers versus Falcons over 47.5 to 49.5, 90% of the tickets, and 98% of the money. charlie and the Ravens versus Saints under 49 48, 61% of the tickets and 96% of the money. That's all we have, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to the show. A big thanks to Kelly Ford from We Hate Your Team. If you have any questions for us for our Monday show, please email us at infotheosbreakers.com at or tweet us at icebreakers. Everyone, enjoy the weekend and go get some winners.